Hi, Carol Miller here from iHeartRadio's Q1043 in New York. Alan Thompson and Nigel Pierce, our intrepid UK presenters, give us a taste of authentic British radio each week with their interviews and program excerpts. Here, Nigel speaks with the multi-talented Billy Mitchell, who joined British folk group Lindisfarne in 1996 and now tours as part of the Lindisfarne Story Band. This is UK Radio. Greetings to you. Nigel Pierce here, Future Radio 107.8 FM in Norwich and Swindon 105.5. Guess what? In Swindon. That is Prefab Sprout and A Prisoner of the Past. And that is a very apt track today. More will be so told in a couple of seconds. Anyway, as I was saying, I'll tell you now, it was a couple of seconds, you know. Now, uh, about five minutes ago, I got a phone call. And uh, it was from somebody who's appearing in Norwich uh, on the 13th of March. And he said, would you like a chat? So I said, do you know what? I'm up for that. <laughs> and I'm very pleased to be able to say to uh, everybody today listening in that I've got Billy Mitchell on the phone. And I've got to say, first of all, Billy, thank you for giving me a call this morning. My pleasure. I was just sat here thinking, now, who have I not spoken to for a long time that I really like? And I miss you terribly, Nigel, you know. So I was thinking, I'm coming to Norwich next week. Why don't I give you a call, make sure that you're free, and you can come along to the gig and, uh, and have a good time. Well, that's very nice of you. I know we spoke three or four weeks ago before you started your Lindisfarne story tour. But uh, no, it's always, yeah. a, always a pleasure to speak to you, Billy. And uh, Good. and I remember when I saw you, was it four years ago now, before I say, before I had my dice with the National Health Service. Um, yeah, so I'm very pleased to be able to see you again. But apart from that, um, how are you feeling in yourself? Is the tour going OK? The tour's great, great. We're in, we're in Barnsley tomorrow night. We've got a night off tonight. Barnsley tomorrow, uh, and then across to um, somewhere in West Yorkshire, East Yorkshire, uh, near Hull, and then a, a couple of days off, and then we're coming down to the Playhouse in Norwich, and it's all going swimmingly. It's fab. Now, uh, that's fantastic news. Now, I know that you're doing the Lindisfarne story, A Twist in the Tale. I saw yeah. you the last time, and it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, now, I do know from our previous chat that you're doing something a little different. Now, I don't want, want you to give too much away, but the point is, because of the impromptu nature, the fact that you very yeah. very nicely called me this morning, can you tell us a little bit about it, you know, to sort of whet the people's appetite? Well, I can. Well, do it um, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, since the last time we, we did this um, Lindisfarne story story, uh, there have been some twists and tales. There's been a lot of action on the Lindisfarne front that we didn't expect to be happening. First off, there's a new band called Lindisfarne that are going out as a band, led by Rod Clements, who was the, the bass player in the original band. So they're, they're treading the boards again, doing all the old songs, um, which which is quite unusual, I, I think, but great, great to see it happening. The songs need to be out there. Um, so we'll be talking about that. Uh, Ray Laidlaw and I have been in a play in Newcastle called Clear White Light, which um, featured 11 of Alan Hull's uh, early songs uh, that he wrote while he was a psychiatric nurse in, in Newcastle before he, uh, before he was a pop star. 
Um, and that play was fantastic. It's called Clear White Light. It's sold out at uh, Live Theatre in Newcastle. We'll be talking about that. We'll also be singing lots and lots of new, not new songs, but songs that we didn't feature in the show before. Uh, obviously, there'll be the standards, you know, Lady Eleanor, Clear White Light, Run For Home, Meet Me On The Corner. All the hits will be there, but there'll be some... some um, Songs that were on the on the sidelines, really, you know, that, that weren't singles. That's fab. Great songs, still, you know. That, that's absolutely, um, yeah. That's absolutely fab. That is, you know. I mean, you've got my tongue sort of dripping already, you know, in anticipation. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's apart from the the wonderful uh, photographs, never seen before photographs and videos that we'll be showing on this on this tour as well. So there's lots of it's 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 a it's a new slant on the story. It's stuff that hasn't been told before. Well, that's yeah. fab. That is, and I think, you know, I mean, when you came last time, it was a great show, and uh, you gave a lot of value for money, which I thought was very, very good. And I must admit, I did sort of sit around for a little while afterwards and saw the fans' response. We call them fans. They're, they're not teenagers anymore. But then again, there are teenagers there, but I, and I wasn't being discriminatory either. It's just the fact that no. some, some of these people have grown up and got gracefully older with us, with you, haven't they? And uh, Absolutely, yeah. And, and that's the important thing. But uh, before we go any further, Let's make use of this time because I don't know how much time you've got. We're running off the hoof, as you know, today because you've called me in. Um, what's your opinion of Prefab Sprout? Because I understand they're from your neck of the woods. They certainly are. They're a little bit south of us, just about 20 minutes down the road uh, in Durham. Um, Paddy McAloon, fantastic writer. He was the main writer in Prefab Sprout and still, still is, still does loads of, loads of stuff. Uh, great band, very unusual. Um, like nothing else that you know at the time when they appeared on the scene they were they were totally fresh and new and they still sound great their records to me still sound fantastic and uh, and they're good guys no, that, that prison, they're, they're that, always good guys yeah that prisoner of the past is, is, is what of course one of their classic numbers now it was so yeah. fresh and new at the time a little bit of Motown yeah. stuck in there but uh, from style but it was them all the way through and I thought it was a fantastic number um, absolutely yeah great so well, I mean we all we all have those influences, you know, Nigel. Yep. Um, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, Paddy's influences came from all over the place, same as Lindisfarne's did. You know, there was a lot of blues in there. There was Beatles influences in there. There was, there was all sorts of influences. Anything apart from jazz. Well, <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, and and jazz did whether you like jazz or whether you don't. All music is music, and jazz did influence a lot of the early Motown stuff as well. So we of have, course it did. We yeah. have to be grateful, uh, and I don't say it in a disparaging way. When I say we have to be grateful, as you know, Billy, music is a great big melting pot. Everything goes in, it gets mixed, and it comes out something slightly different, something new, something as a retread, but it all still continues to go into that pot, doesn't it? Exactly, and, and exactly. You, and your band is one of those that uh, seem to have grown gracefully with the times yet you've still got a niche and a very strong hook into the music industry today yeah I, I think I think a lot of the Lindisfarne songs uh, even from the early 70s right through to you know 2003 when the, when the, the band that I was in decided to call it a day um, over that 30 year period um, the song you know the style of some of the songs changed but I still think that they're uh, it's important now. They still sound fresh to me. Um, and I know they do to audiences that come and listen to them. They're, they're as relevant now as, as they were then, you know. 
Well, that's fantastic and really good to hear because music does go round in circles. I mean, we can't all be the Beatles, I know, because something happens to their catalogue every year and that's why they'll never die. But, I mean, you get a reinvigoration of Motown and reinvigoration. I think there's a lot happening now with the British heavy prog rock scene. A lot of the bands are starting to, if not do farewell tours, members are putting themselves back into the limelight which is what your bassist has done. You know, he's put Lindisfarne back into the limelight. And I was going to yeah. ask you before, we'll play another track first, because that's the question I'm going to ask you. How do you feel about it? But we'll save that. If I was, okay. to, me- if I was to mention a group called Roxy Music, what does that say? Oh. Well, there's a, there's a thing now. The, the drummer in Roxy Music, Paul Thompson, was a, a fantastic drummer. And he is now playing with the new Lindisfarne band. Well, I didn't, I didn't know that. There's a link. So there's <laughs> a link. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to play one of my uh, tracks from Lindisfarne that doesn't get a lot of play. I'm not going to go for Pajama Rama or for Ginia Plane or anything like that. I'm going to go for this one. And it's called Don't Stop the Dance. So hang on in there Good for one. everybody. I think there's a track that uh, not only I, but many, many, many other people could wax lyrical about Roxy Music and Don't Stop the Dance uh, from a later period. I tell you, it may have been later, Billy, but that is a fantastic track, is it not? Oh, it's great, man. You know, they, they, they all they had such rhythm, that band, you know. Yeah. It, it was great. I mean, if you, if you, if you start dissecting it, the, the, the parts that made up that band were, were, were brilliant, you know. Absolutely brilliant. Great rhythm section. Sax player was fab. And Ferry, I mean, Ferry's a one-off, isn't he? Yep, he you know, sure is. He, 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 nobody he, like him. He sure is. Now, I'm going to come back to the question. Great track there. And the next one is going to be a real link to uh, Lindisfarne, I'll tell you. Um, right. If you can wet my tongue at this early in the morning, I can do yours as well. <laughs> <laughs> now, how do you feel? You know, you and Ray are, you know, two of the longest-serving members, and I say serving in the nicest way, of Lindisfarne, and now you've yeah. got your bassist who decided to put the group back on the road. Um, yeah. How do you feel about that? I mean, without being too personal, I don't want to open any feuds, if there is any. If there isn't, that's absolutely great. But I would have thought he would have come to you two to see if you two would go back into the band or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking in thin air. Maybe I'm talking right on the hob. I don't know. But how do you feel about that? Um about it well um, what I feel is that I wouldn't have wanted to take a Lindisfarne band back on the road as, as a band um, I think uh, um, when we finished in 2003 I thought the band had run its course as a as a progressive unit do, do you know what I mean yeah I do um, we, we'd, we'd been together in the form that we were at then for eight years from 96, or seven and a bit years, 96 up to 2003. And in that, in that time, we produced two new albums of new material, which I thought were, were great songs, lots of them written by Rod, but we all, we all played a part in it. Um, and we were making new music, and that for me is what a band should be doing. Um, since 2003, when where when we finished, Ray Laidlaw and I kept getting numerous requests to put a band back together, put the Lindisfarne band back together. You know, we, we want to hear the songs, we want to hear the songs. And we didn't feel that, that, um, that we wanted to do that, just to almost become a, 
attribute to ourselves. Do, do you know what I'm saying? I do. I can I can understand yeah. that. Um, so we we didn't want to do that, and that's why we came up with the idea of doing the Lindisfarne story, of, of sitting down, telling the story of the band and playing the song just acoustically, just the two of us with guitar and percussion. Um, the way the songs were written in the first place, and that becomes part of a of a story rather than a stand-up show. Yeah? Yep. Um, so my feeling is that it's great that um, that Rod is, is taking the band out there to play the songs. That's marvellous. But to me, it becomes a little bit of a tribute band when, when there's not any new material uh, coming out of it. You know what I mean? I do, I do, and uh, I can understand where you come from. Now, um, you call yourself the Lindisfarne story, and as I say, I don't want to get involved and open any sort of avenues of dispute. But No, no, no. But um, how do you feel when he's taken the name Lindisfarne, yet it's something that you may have done, yet you've come on with the Lindisfarne story? So there's two entirely different aspects of the same group, isn't there? Uh, there are, there are two, two aspects of the same group, uh, except we're not pretending to be a group. We're, right. we're just telling us we're just telling a story and um you know n nobody nobody actually uh, did anything legal to to take the name Lindisfarne. um uh, no nobody expected to be honest nobody expected there to be another Lindisfarne band and it was only after ray and i decided to do the Lindisfarne story that the band uh, came back on the scene you know so you they, ob they obviously they obviously saw that there was a a market, a niche for it, so that's fine. That's, that's fine. fine. That's great. It's great you can talk like that because together you you were a wonderful band. Um, oh, we had a great we had great time together. Yes, and and, and you know we were good fr friends. We don't we don't see each other these days because we don't live very close to each other anymore. Um, but uh, there's, there's no there's no animosity. You know, it's it's fine. I, there's enough room in this world for all of us. I didn't think there was. That's why I came on and asked the question. Um, sure. I, I understand that. Now, getting back to uh, where you were coming down to Norwich. So where are you playing the night before? How are you travelling down? Oh, we, we, are, we actually have a day off. I'm going to be home in my own bed um, on the Tuesday. And on the Wednesday, we're going to travel down to Norwich, have an early start, and come down there to play at, uh, at the Playhouse. Now, the show's uh, usually was, about two and a half before. hours, isn't it? The show's usually about two and a half hours with a little intermission. It is. It'll be a, a 7.30 show, uh, finishing around about 10 o'clock. Oh, that's fab. So we can all get nicely tucked up to bed with a cup of cocoa. I don't think so. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think so. Now, um, first of all, you're looking forward to it. I mean, you know, your last trip here to Norwich was very, very well received. And yeah. um, I could see the camaraderie not only between you and Ray but the um, closeness to the audience is you know you weren't just reaching over from the stage you were reaching into their seats you were reaching into their laps and the response was absolutely brilliant um, you know are you expecting the same again this time round? I'm hoping so I mean you know a lot of the people who come to see this show um, have grown up with Lindisfarne you know yeah. we, all, we all started off as, uh, as young whippersnappers um, trying to trying to live a dream, really, and um, a lot of people have, have stayed with us all the way, and it's great to see them. Um, we, we, you know, when we get on the road, we see a lot of friendly faces that that we've got to know over the years, but we also see their sons and daughters, and sometimes their grandsons and granddaughters as well, in the in the audience. Yeah, because we've been doing this a long time. 
Um, <laughs> and luckily, a lot of the young people have, have come onto it and enjoyed the music, and they want to hear the, the backstory as well. They don't want to just hear the hits. They want to hear how it started, how, how you know, why it happened. You yeah. Know, why did these five raggy-ass Geordies, well, three of them were raggy-ass Geordies and two of them were public school boys, but that's another story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, how did, how did it work? How It shouldn't have worked, but it did. Um, and and it did. the band became world famous, you know. It did. And uh, talking to you here, um, when we finish this conversation, if you'd like to just to stay around, I'll give you a quick call back because <coughs> you've given me an idea. I want to run something past you. But that's for, a okay. quick, that's for a quick call afterwards. Now, this next record, I know you're going to mention a certain person in the show because you can't get around it. But I thought I'd play a Bob Dylan track. Oh, why not? And I've gone for the same period that you were sort of um, coming up and coming into the sort of wave 71, 72, 73 I've gone for the early 70s again yeah. I'm going to play a track that not a lot of people hear nowadays which I think is a beautiful track and then we'll talk a little bit about um, producer Bob but um, at the moment I think I'd like you if you could to introduce Bob Dylan and Tangled Up in Blue if you wouldn't be oh, so, if you'd be so kind of this is one of my favorite Dylan tracks. It's absolutely tremendous, beautiful writing. Um, the, the lyrics are wonderful. The, the style of the song is great. Uh, it just can't be bettered. This is one of my favorite Bob Dylan songs. Have a listen to Tangled Up In Blue. Well, I tell you what, Billy, I could listen to that all day. That is absolutely brilliant. There's still about two minutes to go, otherwise you'd never get a chance to chat, which is the reason you rang me in the first place. But uh, I'll tell you something. That song. Oh, ah. it's, you know what? Some, somebody, <clears throat> somebody said about that song that, that Dylan did um, for, for songwriting what Picasso did for painting with Tangled Up in Blue. It's just the, the most... It's a tremendous song. Lyrically, it, it's wonderful. Uh, it, it paints a picture for me. It really does. But you can see all parts of it. You can see every colour in, in the lyrics. And then w when you listen to the whole song and really digest it, um, it's, a, it's a great, great picture. I love it. It is, but um, obviously Bob Johnson, um, you know, who uh, produced it all, etc. <laughs> now, I yeah. don't know about this. Maybe it's me. I'm not seeing things through pink-rimmed glasses or misted spectacles, please believe me. But I actually think that Dylan there did a little bit of Lindisfarne because it's, it, 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 it's a very, very unusual chord change uh, and reason for Dylan. Yes, I know he used mainly C and E, I understand all that, but it was the fact that it was he'd gone back to his basic guitar roots because he tried a bit of rock, he could, he could put his hands at anything, yet it still got that Lindisfarne chord structure. So maybe where you picked up from Mr Johnson... And then he came to, he actually came to you, and then maybe Dylan, um, I don't know if he's a fan of yours or not, but you, maybe you'll tell us, but the point is, I'm sure, I'm sure that he took some of the influence that Bob gave you and took it back for himself. Now, that's not, well. a, that's not, that's not a deep theory. That's only from what I hear. I'm not paid thousands every month to be a musical critic. I, I do what I do. Would like, to, would like to earn a bit more money, yes, but the point is, I enjoy what I do, but I see things and hear things, and I think, you know, that's a good discussion point. 
Well, there you go. I would like to think that Dylan um, would would take something back from from Lindisfarne because, you know, the the, the members of, of the Lindisfarne band certainly took a lot from Dylan. Um, when Dylan went electric, that was the signal for not just the, the, the Lindisfarne members, but lots and lots of musicians all over the place to go, uh oh, this is what you can do. This is what you can do with songs. You know, the Beatles had started it, and Dylan just took it to the next level for me. Um, he, he was the he was the catalyst. He did it all. And I mean, that that song there was, I think, recorded in 1975, which was a bit after yeah um, after the Lindisfarne stuff. And and um, I don't think Bob Johnson produced that album. I think Dylan did it himself. It's from Blood on the Tracks. He did. You're quite correct. Um, but it's just the fact yeah. the link with Dylan, Bob Johnson, and everything else that came to you. You know. Uh, oh, that, absolutely. That was what I played we, it for. It, well, it's a it's a great link, a great link because Bob Johnson w- was was a huge influence on Lindisfarne, huge. Um, without Bob Johnson, Fog in the Time wouldn't have been a number one album. You know, he 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 chose the songs and he, he chose how that album was produced. The band played everything and sang everything, but Bob Johnson put it together. And he'd worked not only with Dylan, he'd worked with Simon Garfungal and yeah. he'd worked with uh, Leonard Cohen. Uh, Johnny Cash. I mean, he he was huge. He'd written songs for Elvis Presley. Um, for him to come to England for the first ever time um, in 1971 and uh, deliberately come to England only to produce Lindisfarne's album was a huge coup for the band. Huge. And um, it, it woke the English music press up <laughs> with, a, with a jolt. I think I think it woke the English music press up with a jolt. You're quite right because I still think from 10th of April 1970 when the Fab Four split, I think we were in a land of stupor. Um, you know, the, if, if you look back, and I and I don't mean this in any you know self evasive way, <laughs> when the Beatles split, we were in a quagmire over here for 18 months. Um, we lost yes, our, we, I think so. We lost the masters. We lost the the formers, we lost the progenitors, we lost the pushers. The Beatles were it all in one. And uh, what was going on at Apple was so sad that it just seemed to put a malaise and a dark, deep depression over the entire British music industry. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, you came along, uh, and Bob Johnson picking up, I think he gave the British music scene a massive jolt in the arm. Well, he did. He did, um, because he saw... Um as did Tony Stratton-Smith at, at Charisma, that Lindisfarne and Alan Hull especially were writing, you know, three to four minute um, pop songs, but, but relevant pop songs, yeah. good songs with, with choruses and good tunes and good lyrics. And it, and it wasn't glam rock and it, and it wasn't 20 minute guitar solos, you know? Yeah. Um, people, and people stand up on stage showing off. It was... It was a good time. It was a, a good time music, you know, yeah. for the people, not for themselves. They, were, they weren't introverts. They were extroverts. Yes. And they were giving it out to people. And Bob Johnson saw that. And, and that's why he wanted to come in and produce the band. Um, and as I say, Tony Stratton-Smith at, at Charisma recognized that straight away. And, you know, Lindisfarne were called the, the, the new Beatles for a while, you know. The, yep, I remember. When they, went, when they went to America, they took America by storm as well on their first tour, uh, supporting the Kinks and um, Beach Boys, uh, David Bowie, Frank Zappa, did support slots. But, you know, in America, 
most of the support bands weren't even listened to That's at right. that time. Um, but Lindisfarne woke them up, and they got great reviews. Great, great reviews. Yeah, it was it was a <laughs> it was a very exciting time. Now you're going to say all of this and plus probably lots more in the show at the Norwich Playhouse, aren't you? We certainly are. Yeah, we're coming there on Wednesday the thirteenth. Um, I can give you the telephone number if you like. Of, um, Do you know what? That's a pretty box office. That's a pretty good idea because some we always get the www pothole, but we never get the phone number. So far away, Billy. Well, here's a phone number for Norwich Playhouse for the Lindisfarne story on the 13th of March, Wednesday the 13th of, of March, and the number is 01603 598 598. That's 01603-598-598. Or you can go to uk and book them online. There you go. And it would be great to see everybody there. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing there and being with you. And of course, obviously, you know, you, you have agreed that we can have a quick sort of uh, after after show interview, which is great. So we're looking forward. Of course, to yeah. But we're looking forward to that as a real special on Future Radio 107.8 FM. Now we mustn't forget our sisters and brothers in Swindon on one 105.5 who are taking this as well. So when do you go across to the West Country, or do you not do it this time round? Yes, we are doing it this time round. Um, Swindon, let me have a look. You're going there on Thursday, April the 4th. So that's very close, Swindon. isn't it? April the 4th in Swindon. Do you want the telephone number yes, of that one as well? Uh, yes, please, because I'll tell, you well, why, I'll tell you why in a minute. You see, we like to be professional here, you know, Billy. Absolutely. Swindon at the Arts Centre. Um, and the telephone number for that for Thursday, April the 4th, Alinda's Fun Story. Telephone number 0179-352-4481. That's 0179-352-4481. Well, and if you want to do it online, you can go to www.swindontheatres.co.uk and you'll get the Lindisfarne story popping up there. Well, that's absolutely great because uh, I do relish the fact that um, we have a very good relationship with what we now I term as our sister station in Swindon. Um, yeah. They give us a lot of support. Um, they really do. Love what we do up here, um, especially with this programme. And uh, we go out three days a week in Swindon. Not, not, not a lot of people know that. We go out Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursdays every lunchtime, one o'clock uh, on 105.5. So when you get there on a Tuesday or on a Thursday, if you listen in, you may hear my voice again. Won't be talking to you this time, but you may hear it. Um, but the point is, no. Now, will the show in Swindon be exactly the same as that in Norwich, or will, it, or will you tweak it just a little? Um, I think it'll probably be the same. It's never exactly the same two nights running. Um, we <laughs> uh, we don't work to a script. No, I know um, that. It's, you know, we have we have ideas of what we're going to say, and 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 basically, Ray and I have a chat with the audience, and sometimes we get responses from the audience that we can respond to. So it depends really uh, on on how the night goes. We'll probably sing the same songs maybe one or two of them might change but um who knows you know we we uh, we just play it by ear most of the time we know we know what we're going to do you know you know right. most of the time but you know we've got so many songs and so many stories and so many pictures that uh, if we decide to use something else on another night then that's what we'll do 
And we've been to Swindon lots and lots of times and always had a great time down there at the Arts Centre. Um, so we're looking forward to going back down there again. Well, I'm actually going down to Swindon next weekend because they're having their 11th year anniversary. And, oh, and uh, I'm going down there for uh, the guest of the manager down there and uh, we're going to have a bit of fun and a bit of time. And it's a good time together. We're going to be talking and uh, something like this will always come up, which is why that, and I have to say with Swindon, they take everything that we do here in this programme, they take the lot. Um, so great. whenever you interview us, as you did three or four weeks ago, it goes down to Swindon, and I can tell you also this interview will go out to New York as well, um, as, it, as it always does. And that's an unusual link for a, a regional radio program in the United Kingdom to actually go out and hit in America. So, oh, sure. You know, well, it's a long time since uh, Lindisfarne were in America. In 2000, we played at the bottom line in New York in the year 2000, and that was the last time I was over there. Well, it was a long time ago, didn't it? Yep, it is. But our contact over there, lovely lady, Carol Miller, um, she supports us very well and, and very hard on what we do over here. Um, so, yes, and then obviously it goes back on SoundCloud. So you're really getting an earful, which is great, which is, you know, and I think for a small, and I'm not putting us down here in Norwich, for a small radio, regional station to start getting that much clout has got to be good. Yep, that's great. You know, and it's good for shows like this because it's absolutely brilliant. Now, let's have some more music. Now, I do hope that you will indulge me two minutes and ten seconds because we've, we've gone through, you know, some of your influences in the Beatles, etc. But I want to play this track by a group that was pre-Beatles because I think this guy, um, who especially was uh, fronting the band, um, not singing, um, I think this guy has left a legacy that still influences so many people uh, that want to pick up an electric guitar that, uh, you know, when you look at the history of world pop now, not just British pop, this guy must rate really highly. So I'd like to play my favourite from this group. Uh, it is The Shadows, but it's very polished. But I think it's a sound, I think, for a guitar sound, you know, when you go back to 1961, 62, um, this sort of sound stayed the test of time. So please indulge me. And theme for young lovers. Absolutely. We don't talk about that on this show, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, there's a link here, don't you? Well, you'll tell me afterwards. Hold on. That was The Shadows, and what I think as sheer symphonic beauty. Um, that guy could play a guitar, and uh, going back to the early 60s, we had another guy who was just as good, who probably was, wasn't just as fashionable, a gentleman by the name of Burt Whedon, who was uh, a great guitarist. Uh, but that bloke, Hank Marvin, quite rightly, I think, because he was a bit younger, a bit more photogenic, um, stole the limelight, but he did actually take the guitar to new areas, um, that still resonate today. And you obviously, yes, Billy, you've got a very important link. So, uh, do, Oh, I've got do, a few things to say about this one, Nigel. Well, let's go. <laughs> Don't forget, you know, hang on, you know, if you, if you want to come back for part two, please do, but uh, I'll leave it up to you. <laughs> right. First off, uh, he was a Geordie, you know. Yes, I do. Hank Marvin and Bruce Welsh, both from Newcastle. And uh, Hank Marvin's real name is Brian Rankin. 
and I went to school with Joe Rankin, who was Brian Rankin's younger brother. Yeah. Uh, in the West End of Newcastle in the early 50s. And uh, Hank and Bruce um, were in uh, groups in Newcastle at the time and went to London, thought they would seek their fortune in London, and uh, were, were discovered in a place called the Two Eyes Coffee Bar in London. And uh, Hank just was the most amazing guitar player. He discovered that sound, that beautiful uh, echoey uh, Fender sound, um, and, and it just went worldwide. There's a song by Neil Young called From Hank to Hendrix. Yep. And I always thought the Hank that he was talking about was um, Hank Williams, but it wasn't. It was Hank Marvin I know. that he's talking about in that song, and I never knew that. Well, that's, well then. that's why he called it Hank to Jimi Hendrix. That's why it was, that's ha- right. that's why it was Hank Marvin. to Hendrix. Absolutely. Well, in the Lindisfarne story show that we're going to do at Norwich Theatre, you'll hear music by... Everybody you've played today, because the Shadows feature in it, the Beatles feature in it, Bob Dylan features in it, um, because the show is not just for Lindisfarne fans, it's for fans of uh, music from the 50s, 60s, 70s. That's that's what the show is about. All of our influences yeah. came from all of the stuff you've played today. So we actually play a little bit of... Um, Shadows stuff in in the in the show. Well, I didn't know that. You see, I mean, and no, you that, didn't. That was the impromptuness of the phone call, which is great. And I must admit, I'm really pleased that because you knew I record on Friday morning, you thought I know. Yeah, I'll give Nigel a ring because I've seen him next week, etc., etc. But now that's yeah. great. But this is a different kind of show. I'd, I would love to do another Lindisfarne special, and maybe we can do that. But um, to talk about your influences in a very private yet public way very intimate but very open is something that you don't get very often on radio these days so I'm very pleased to have been able to do it with you Great, I've enjoyed it very much indeed Now I'd like to indulge you once again um, we have a local artist um, that you've probably never heard who I've, who I've seen several times perform she's very very good and uh, she's got a disc out locally which I hopefully I think will do something i just like to have a little listen. Her name is Helen Robinson. She plays the acoustic guitar and she wrote this herself entirely. And I'd just like you to have your thoughts on it before we go out with a final splash. So just hold on and here she is, the lovely Helen Robinson. Well, I don't know about you, Billy, but I think that's absolutely beautiful. It's a bit difficult to hear the, the nuances over a, a little um, portable phone that I'm speaking on at the moment, Nigel. But I'm sure I'd, I'd, I'd prefer to hear that live, I think. She um, does it very... Or, I've got a very good live version of it, but it's beautiful. I mean, it's done in, in a local studio, and I'm not, I wasn't trying to sort of impose anything on you. It's the fact that I do play no, the no, track. No. I do play that track from time to time here, and it, mm. always, it always draws a very nice response. And the lady, yeah, she's got a bit of talent. Um, quite, in fact, quite a lot I think of talent. It's great. I think it's great that young people are writing, you know. You, you write your feelings and you put them to music, you know. It's it's poetry set to music, and it, it's great that young people are doing that and, and getting an airing. Well, we know, do. That, that, you know, guys like you can get it on the radio. It's fab. And it's always nice when, and I don't wish to sound patronising, when a professional such as yourself that's been around the block, has done it, been around the world, etc., done this and done that, and you can put a critical eye 
and sort of support it in, in, in whatever way you can um, to give them a bit of an airing. So I just thought I'd slip that in this morning and I hope you didn't mind Good on it. You. But yeah. uh, now we're coming up to close to the end of the show. I've got to say, Billy, it's been great. I mean, I was looking forward today, in, in a sense, to having what I call a straight Friday, which was no interviews, because... Uh, yeah. You know, Dave and other people usually say, well, we've got somebody for you, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I thought, oh, well, we'll just do two straight programmes. But in the end, it's been anything but. It's been absolutely well, lovely. Absolutely well, lovely. Well, I've enjoyed it, and I'm glad you have too, Nigel. You know, but how do you feel talking about your influences, you know, and not talking about, not necessarily Lindisfarne, but talking about yourself? I mean, I, I, yet you are talking about yourself because these are the people that made you or gave you the influence to make you, didn't they? Oh, I'm, I'm more than happy to do that more than happy to do that that's what the lindisfarne story is all about it's not just about you know um being famous and standing up on stage singing hits it's about what what made it all happen um i mean my first my first influence really was buddy holly you know and i went from that probably to lonnie donegan and and and, and through all all of the stuff cliff richard the shadows then i discovered the blues from america you know yeah um, and that that just knocked me sideways. That was the real start of it for me. When I was about 17, uh, discovering John Lee Hooker and Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf, and those guys, that, that really knocked it for me. And the pop thing sort of went out the window and we got into the blues for a long time. Oh, that's right, that's yeah, right. You know. Anyway, um, I'm, uh, go on, I'm going yeah. to play you a surprise track now, and I mean a surprise track. This comes from, okay. this comes from Nashville. Okay. Now, if you've been to America, I'm not saying you've been down out there, but uh, it's a real Nashville sound. I doubt very much whether you've heard the track itself. I hope that you have, because, uh, you know, that would be great. But uh, I'm just going to play the track, and I'm just going to ask you, before we say goodbye afterwards, because we'll have a couple of minutes, what your thoughts are. So please, okay. just just have a listen to this. Straight out of Nashville there, Billy. What do you think? I'd love it. Who is it? That's Ringo Starr. It was it Ringo, was it? Yep, Ringo Starr, without her. Oh, that's tremendous. We played that in Nashville, you know, with a band in, in 2000. We went and played down in Nashville on the strip. It was a hoot, an absolute hoot. Loved it. Well, there you go. Yeah, well, I'm a closet bluegrass fan myself, you know. Well, that's not a very often heard track. And, uh, there you go. But uh, we've only got about 30 seconds left. I've got to say, Billy, it's been absolutely fantastic this morning. I'm really pleased you rang me. Um, and I uh, look forward to seeing you at the Norwich Playhouse on the 13th yeah. of March. So uh, I wish you all the success. Give my regards to wonderful Ray, of course. Yeah, absolutely, and thanks very much for putting up with all this slather that I've been giving you this Ah, morning. it's all good fun, Billy. <laughs> it, it, it's really, really, really is absolutely great fun, and uh, it's nice to be able to talk to somebody like this because obviously we'll ask different questions on Wednesday for a quickie, and uh, that's a thought. That's, that's a thought anyway, but that's for another day. But the point is, Billy, it's been absolutely brilliant. Um, great. I wish you all the best for the 13th. Thank you for the information. Thank you for the time. It'll be a real future radio special, and all I can say is thank you very much. Billy Mitchell. My pleasure. I'll see you there. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Billy Mitchell of the Lindisfarne Story Band and a whole lot more, speaking with Nigel Pierce on our UK radio podcast. And you can hear Nigel and others on Sundays at 3 p.m. GMT, Greenwich Mean Time, 
on futureradio.co.uk. Thanks for listening, and thank you to Paul Logos of PLX Mastering for U.S. production. This is Carol Miller. See you next time on UK Radio.